0: Blog Talk Radio. Today, our topic is Retirement Planning for Law Partners, Best Practices for Your Firm. Joining us is consultant Kristen Stark. She advises law firms on strategy development and implementation, organizational management and structure, financial management, and compensation. Welcome, Kristen. It's good, good to morning. have you with us today. Good morning. Thank you. Let's start off with the obvious question. What are the primary challenges brought on by partner retirements? You know, we see a variety of
1: challenges coming on from partner retirements right now, and
0: and we tend to
1: use um, the terms partner retirement and partner succession planning or just succession planning in general when referring to partner retirements. But in some ways, they do mean two different things. Um, in terms of the concept of retirement, really there are direct financial implications and people implications that firms face relating to retirement. Those are relating to partner compensation as they're retiring or in phase down, partner buyouts, uh, which are really similar to a partner unfunded retirement plans, and dealing with those financial liabilities that come along with a, an unfunded plan or a partner buyout. Um, repayment of partner capital accounts. Uh, those are all issues that relate directly to partner retirement. In addition, you've got succession issues which go really beyond the direct issues associated with a retirement and they pertain to the transition of clients or the transition of expertise. Um, there's also issues relating to leadership transition. Many partners who are retiring are, are key leaders of the firm or key leaders of practices. you have also got issues relating to partnership structure and retirements or waves of retirements can create demographic gaps, which firms have to address. Uh, Other issues relate to rainmaking, you know, who will be the future rainmakers for the firm, who will be the future partners. One aspect that firms often don't really think through in, in dealing with kind of these waves of retirements is that they're really looking at, in some cases, diminished ranks of partner classes going forward. So there will be, in fact, fewer partners in some firms going forward, and they're going to have to spread the financial and management responsibilities across a smaller number of people. Mm
0: -hmm. So are some firms more impacted than others? You know, that is an
1: interesting aspect of what we're seeing in the marketplace. Uh, It's a bit anecdotal, but it would be interesting to get more robust data on it by benchmarking a, a much broader group of firms. We do tend to see quite a bit of variability between the way that firms are impacted. And to an extent, I think we can tie it to markets, um, geographies, and and also to size of the firm. In some geographies, and this is probably where we see the higher correlation, you'll see firms that have major demographic problems, and in some geographies you'll see firms with fewer demographic problems. And in terms of the geographies where you tend to see fewer of those, Secondary or tertiary markets, less competitive legal markets, tend to have firms that are younger. Uh, In some cases, you'll see firms that are in primary markets, first-tier money markets as we call them, the major um, cities and legal markets in the country, that face more demographic issues because the talent market there is so competitive. It's so hard to get partners and retain them throughout the duration of their career that they tend to have um, fewer you know, fewer young partners, and the, those partners are regularly recruited by the highest performing firms, often the largest firms in the marketplace that can compensate those people at the highest level.
0: Uh-huh. And what about the effect on law firms' practices and clients?
1: Well, that is, you know, probably one of the overlooked issues, unfortunately, uh, when it comes to partner retirements, is tying back to this issue of succession. Very often firms, especially I'd say smaller and mid-sized firms, get focused on dealing with the financial implications of partner retirement. But it doesn't really, you know, we fail to recognize too, too early in the process. We fail to recognize early and on and off in the process that clients, many of them will be heavily impacted by a partner's retirement. And so client succession planning comes late in many partners' careers when they're very close to retirement, and in some cases that that can be very difficult to make succession happen. You know, clients, um, law firms will attempt to start working with clients one or two years before a partner is exiting the firm, and in some cases those clients really aren't in a position to successfully transition that work from, from that partner to another partner or a lawyer within the firm. Uh, in addition, expertise. Very often there are firms that have partners who offer unique expertise or very high-level expertise or trial talent, for example, or, or niche expertise, tax a tax expert within the firm that will be retiring. And there isn't enough planning that goes into grooming that person's talent or expertise successor.
0: And, of course, this is my favorite question, the big question, partner retirements and profitability. Well,
1: Unfortunately, we do see a lot of missed or unmanaged partner retirements. And so when when firms let partner retirement happen to them, uh, meaning that they don't plan for it, they don't start talking to the partners in advance of their retirement, it tends to drive negative profitability on those individuals. Or it can can drive really a loss of the firm's revenue base over time because you know it, this goes typically one of two ways. You have a partner who is retiring, and they can either plan for it and tell the firm 12 or 24 months and, and communicate about it. That, that's the best case scenario, and we'll talk about that in a second, I think. But but typically what often happens is there's no, really no discussion with the firm, and the partner ends up kind of gradually retiring. They, they basically start phasing down or slowing down, and and working less. And oftentimes it takes firms quite a bit of time to catch up with that in compensation. So that partner gets overcompensated for a length of period of time where they're really not working at the level that they historically were working. Um, uh-huh. The alternative is you've got partners who work really, really, really hard up until the time of retirement, and then they say, okay, I'm, a, you know, I'm not going to be here in three or six months from now. Those, those circumstances are less common than the prior example. But in those situations, firms lose money because they might lose clients or they'll lose that opportunity to offer the expertise to the market.
0: Interesting. Now while we're on the subject of financials, how are firms compensating retiring partners?
1: Well, we see compensation structures in a variety of ways. Um, typically, it's m- mostly tied to a graduated reduction in compensation level. So you would want to support a gradual transition which allows for the implementation of succession planning. So that allows the firm and the partner to better manage the financial impact of his or her retirement. There's a range of compensation approaches that we often see applied, whether it's um, you know, a purely what we call merit-based approach or subjective approach which is tied to the firm's current partner compensation process. That way, in that case, you'd be really just setting compensation at the compensation committee level, and you tie it to that person's performance expectations for the coming year. Um, you may see, actually, in some firms, a more formulaic approach. they are large firms. Some of the large firms tend to have a 80-60-40 graduated reduction approach where they you know move a partner's compensation down by a certain percentage each year based upon their anticipated contribution. Other firms would use more of a pure formula. So range of compensation approach, I don't think that there's really one perfect answer except that it it really needs to be clear in terms of what the expectations are of the partner and having that communication between the firm and the partner about what it is the partner will be doing during that phase-down or retirement period.
0: Got it. How can firms ensure that retiring partners are still contributing to the long-term health of the firm?
1: Well, Really a critical aspect of this is trying to ensure that that partner's goals and performance expectations are aligned with what's in the firm's best interest. We often see firms give retiring partners goals which are misaligned with what's in the firm's best interest. So in, in some cases, for example, you see formula compensation arrangements, which reward retiring partners for high levels of billable hours. They get you know, a higher percentage of their billable hours. Or it rewards them for um, you know, origination numbers or client billing numbers, you might call them. And in those cases, those are really misaligned with what's in the best interest to have that partner no longer be part of the firm. You know, in both cases, you really want to be transitioning that billable work and those client relationships to other people. Now, of course, you don't want that person to just stop working. You still need them to be a productive, contributing member of the firm. But finding other metrics or other ways to manage that performance and, and monitor their contributions will um, will ensure that you get partners who are more focused on delegating work, which will give additional where's client exposure, or or transitioning client relationships, talking to clients about the other people in the firm and the types of valuable contributions that they can bring to the table. In those cases, clients tend to um, start to want to use those people more. The more work that is being delegated to an attorney and they start to see that person on a regular basis of communications with that person, or in other situations where you've got um, you know, a, a succession of the relationship taking place where you're trying to pull in a relationship partner and give that person exposure, that's really what will help the the firm retain that relationship over the long term. So we want to ensure that any kind of compensation arrangement that you have promotes those kinds of activities and behaviors and doesn't encourage partners to hoard work or hoard relationships. Uh, That, of course, is misaligned with what's in the firm's best interest and can really um, create essentially a negative incentive or
0: a false incentive for the partner. So what can firms do to plan for partner retirements? Well, there,
1: there are a number of things that firms need to do to plan for partner retirements. One, let's just talk about kind of the financial piece of this first, and then we'll talk about the succession piece. Um, first and foremost, firms need to think about any kind of major liabilities that are going to come to them based upon partner retirement. Uh, you know, so some firms that we work with have a very high percentage of partners who are over 60, for example. And many of those partners will likely be retiring over the next 10 years. So those firms really need to be very creative and proactive in anticipating the financial liabilities which are going to be triggered by those retirements. Those types of liabilities are going to involve, depending upon the firm, um, partner retirement compensation. How are you going to pay those people as they are retiring? And, and ensuring that you are not overpaying retiring partners while they are kind of phasing down. Again, you've got the partner the example I gave earlier, of the partner who starts to work less and less and less. Firms need to ensure that they are prepared to reduce that partner's compensation level based upon his or her contribution. and and so that they can free up that money to pay the other people who are going to be picking up the workload during that time period. Other aspects of the financial implications that firms need to be prepared for and getting in front of are any kinds of um, buyout provisions in their partnership agreements or or unfunded retirement plan provisions which might still exist in their partnership agreements. Many firms have dealt with these issues. They've um, taken steps years ago to limit the amount of obligation that the firm owes to retiring partners. But surprisingly, there are firms out there that haven't dealt with this, or they think they've dealt with it. And in fact, when, when you look at the obligations, especially when you look at them through a wave of partner retirements, it can create quite a bit of financial pressure on the firm. So you know, I'm working with a firm, for example, right now that felt that they had dealt with their, this issue. They, they structured some language in their partnership agreement years ago, where they put some parameters around partner buyouts and unfunded plans in their firm, but this year it absorbed 10% of their net income because they had a wave of retirement. So they clearly didn't totally deal with that issue, and 10% of net income is a significant hit. So dealing with those um, liabilities is important. You know, developing proactive processes or approaches so that they're not caught off guard and that they can hopefully manage those liabilities and limit the amount of outgoing payments in a given year. One last issue on kind of the financial implications is capital account repayments. So similar, similar to a buyout issue, but for many firms they don't have a buyout, but, but they do have to repay capital accounts. And of course that was funded by the partners at one time earlier on in their careers. And capital account repayments um, are you know a significant issue because most firms don't have cash on hand to readily repay a large number of capital accounts in a given year. So if you've got, again, multiple retirements in, in one single year, that can create a lot of pressure on capital account repayment. So you know, being getting in front of those issues, being prepared, trying to figure out processes for how the firm will address those and limit the amount of cash outflow in a single year is really important. Um, then of course there's this succession planning piece which uh-huh. is the, the second part of this. And this is where I think firms tend to fall behind, which is you know, they're not talking to partners until too late in the process. They, they tend to wait until a partner is 12 or 18 months away from walking out the door or being completely out of the firm to try to start to plan for his or her retirement. So developing a, a framework so that they can start talking to partners earlier on, having a dialogue about retirement earlier on, what will that partner do to help ensure succession of his or her clients? What will that partner do to transfer his or her expertise to junior attorneys? Um, you know, starting to ask those questions earlier, setting goals for the partner and then tying those goals in that plan document and plan conversation to compensation really allows the firm to align the partner's contributions with what's in the firm's best interest during a partner's you know, retirement phase-down period with the firm. So, so both dealing with the financial implications, but also developing what we would call a framework for succession planning, setting up a process around succession planning is a really important part of a managing partner retirement.
0: Excellent. And that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you to our guest, Kristen Stark, for your expertise on retiring law partners. Kristen will be a featured speaker at ALA's 2014 Annual Conference and Exposition, May 19th to the 22nd Toronto. You can also visit her website at fairfaxassociates.com. And thanks, everyone, for joining us.